Welcome back to another powerful episode of the Service First Podcast, where we explore the power of putting a commitment to others first in business and in life. Join us as we sit down with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who are making a positive impact through their commitment to service. Get ready to be inspired, learn from the best, and discover how you too can put service first. Yeah, episode seven of the Service First podcast, we got Art Tippets. Um, Art is our beverage director for the company and uh, just here to kind of hear his story and and hear his perspective on the service industry and really a career uh, with Blue Collar, a career behind the bar. Um, and yeah, just happy to have you here. So thanks, thanks. for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... To get started, if you don't mind, just kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit, of, a little bit about your background. Yeah, so Art Tippets um, started with the company back in 2001 um, when I moved to Jackson, Wyoming from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, my first job with the company was actually in the wine shop with the original Sidewinders and also... Um, I was a door guy for all the shows that they used to have. So I was a bouncer. You were a bouncer? <laughs> yep. <laughs> no way. Yep. Um, which was pretty fun. I had some pretty fun shows there. Yeah, I want to hear about that. <laughs> Not to interrupt you, but I've heard like stories about uh, mm-hmm. this, like the shows that they had at Sidewinders back in the day. But yep. maybe you can tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, had some good buddies that bartended there as well. Sam, Nick. You know, they were with the company for a long time as well. But um, I guess one of the things I remember in particular about those shows and bouncing was the dining room floor um, turned turned into, like, the, you know, the dance floor, basically. And then they had that stage in the far back area where the band would set up. And some of the bands that would come through there, if you remember, there was a basement down Mm -hmm. there. Um. And it was actually pretty terrifying that when the crowd would start bouncing around, that whole floor <laughs> would flex, and I would always stand on the edge of the doorway in case it collapsed. Yeah. It was pretty scary. Whoa. Yeah. How many people would show up for those shows? Hundreds. Really? Yeah, a few hundred people, two, three, I don't, you know. Any, do you remember, like, any of the shows off the top of your head, like, really stand out? Oh, like, man. I've heard about the Kiss cover band, and... There was, I mean, Robert, Robert O'Keefe used to play yeah. there all the time. Uh, the Young Dubliners played there a handful of times. Uh, Burning Spear played there. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones that stick out right now, but... Yeah. Yeah. So that was, like, one of the, the go-to venues in Jackson yep. at the time. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. So was working, you said you started in the wine shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that like your first job in Jackson or had you worked any, anywhere else before that? Uh, I was actually working for Mountain Movers there when I very, very first oh, moved there. So I was actually doing all three. I was moving for a moving company during the day. Um, I was doing the wine shop, I think, on the weekends. And then at nights, whenever they had shows, I was working the door. Hmm. And you had moved to Jackson from Salt Lake, mm-hmm. right? Or Salt Lake area mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, and that's where you grew up? Yep. So you moved to Jackson when you were like 18 or right after high school or what? No, nah, I think I was 22. Okay. Right around there. Why'd you move to Jackson? Ski. 
big diehard skier, huh? Yep. Was. Not was. Yeah, you still ski. Yeah. A couple of knee surgeries later or whatever. Yep. Um, so did you go to college before? I went to Jackson? Salt Lake Community College for just under two years, and it just wasn't really for me. So what were you doing in Salt Lake after high school between Salt Lake and Jackson? All kinds of things. Um, I was actually in the service industry in Salt Lake for a short period. Okay. Um, I worked at, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the Oyster Bar and Market Street Grill down mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So I worked at the Market Street Grill and I was actually back at house. Really? Yeah, I did all the desserts. No way. That was my first service industry job. Um, so that was like mostly nights. Um, and at the same time, I was tuning skis and renting skis at a ski shop. Mm-hmm. So, and that was after high school? Yep. Um, and then, so you you were already pretty passionate about skiing through mm-hmm. high school and, and after that when you were in community college in, in Salt Lake. And then was Jackson just kind of known as like, if you're, if you're really into skiing, it's the place to go or what? Yeah, but I guess, so I'd been traveling to Jackson with my buddy Sam for a number of years through high school. We would actually travel up to Jackson and camp out up on Shadow Mountain in the summertime to mountain bike. That was like the, the one reason that we would go there. Okay. Um, and then it turned out they had great skiing too. So Did you and Sam, we're talking about Sam Green. Yep. Did, did you go to high school together? We went to junior high together. Really? Yeah, we've known each other since we were... What, 13, 14 years old? Whoa. 30 years? Hmm. Um, yeah, so Sam and his wife Erica mm-hmm. also worked with us at Sidewinders. Um, all three of you were there when I first started. Yep. Um, so you started off in the wine shop and bouncing. Um, and what was your lifestyle like at that time where you were, you know, living in Jackson, you're 22 years old and working a bunch of different jobs? Just so much fun, man. You know, just total ski bum and embraced it, you know, mm-hmm. living with a bunch of dudes in a house <laughs> and, you know, people sleeping in pantries and garages <laughs> and yeah. yeah, just like working our asses off in the summertime so we could ski in the wintertime and life was good yeah um yeah i remember even when i was growing up in jackson that that was kind of like a big part of the culture um at sidewinders was like all the bartenders were it was like you would bartend at night and it really wasn't even just sidewinders i felt like that was the story i heard a lot of places around jackson was like you ski during the day and bartend at night Mm -hmm. it was like pretty heavy culture there Mm -hmm. when i talked to tracy in, in, uh, on the podcast, she was talking about how when she moved to, to Jackson, um, which wasn't, it was probably, I guess, the, around the same time you moved there, um, that, or no, I guess she was maybe a little earlier. But anyways, she said that everybody was like either retail or restaurants. And that was pretty much like what everybody did yep. for work. Um one one story I've always heard about you is working in the wine shop is that you were always reading a book. What kind of books were you reading? Jeez. Ed, I mean, anything and everything, you know? 
from, I don't know, I'm a big Kurt Vonnegut fan. I read a lot of his books. Um, what are reading, they about? Uh, mostly fiction. Um, Slaughterhouse-Five, hmm. if you ever read that book. Mm-mm. Great book. They're all short reads. They're all with, you know, around 100 to 150 pages, roughly. Like novels. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, but he's just, I don't know, I think he has a, he has a very dry sense of humor, but he's hilarious, and mm. I just enjoy reading him. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I've been reading so much nonfiction stuff recently that I was just thinking about this over the weekend. Oh, here's Ellie with the, the gift for you that I left at home. <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. You're welcome. <laughs> um... But I, I want to pick up some novels just to take a break from nonfiction stuff because I'm, like, burned out right now. Yeah. I mean, I usually read. Well, at the time, I was mostly reading nonfiction. But, I mean, I read everything. I would read the newspaper front to back every mm-hmm. single day. Really? Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> all the classified ads, everything. I would just skim through the <laughs> entire newspaper. I mean, it was probably a good way to pass the time when you're working mm-hmm. in the wine shop. Yep. Was it a busy like retail storefront at that time busier than the one the one we have there now yeah yeah where like was it just seem like a good job at the time or like they just happened to be hiring or were you like interested in wine and spirits and stuff i was trying to get my foot in the door to bartend okay and you know at that time everybody who was bartending like nobody was going anywhere but i just figured you know i'll get my foot in the door somehow and you know with working in the wine shop I could learn about you know the beer the wine mm-hmm. um, and then also you know working the door I would be working with the bartenders and get right. to know them and yeah because um, Sam was already bartending at the time yep. is that right? yeah Sam Nick Graham Rona I think she was the bar manager. Maybe the yeah, she was the bar manager at the time. I never knew her. Um, so those you were basically like skiing with those guys during the day, and then mm-hmm. everybody worked working together at Sidewinders at night. Yep, that's funny. Um, yeah, what was how did how did that transition take place from you working you know in the retail store, the wine shop, um, which is really a liquor store, mm-hmm. like not just a wine shop, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like, when, how did you get your first opportunity bartending? was when <clears throat> they closed down Sidewinders to build the new one. Um, Joe had purchased Betty Rock at that time, and they needed mm-hmm. servers. And so, yeah, I just started serving at Betty Rock. And I think I had a conversation with Graham about how to get behind the bar, and he was just like, start waiting tables, you know, and try to just work your way there. And... That's yeah. the time when Joe tells me I was the worst server <laughs> yeah, of all time. I didn't want to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm glad we got that uh, that out on the table. So mm-hmm. you were waiting tables at, at Betty Rock and apparently just doing a terrible job at it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're super introverted. Mm-hmm. You're a quiet guy. Like, what was... What was that experience like going to start waiting tables? It was nerve-wracking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing, man. I mean, not everybody has the personality to be a, a great server, right? Mm-hmm. So that had to be challenging for you, and then, uh, but eventually you, you got it figured out because 
you ended up being a long-term career bartender, basically. Yeah. Um, what are some things that like stood out to you as far as like tricks to the trade or like how you would navigate the conversations and you know build those relationships with customers? I don't know, man. I I guess like I think I was still pretty reserved when I was waiting tables at Betty Rock. It wasn't until I got behind the bar at the new Sidewinders that um, I kind of really had to uh, adapt to that, you know, and being um, more outspoken with the customers and like kind of putting myself out there. That was definitely challenging, but um, I guess just observing the other bartenders, you know, Graham, Sam, Sam was phenomenal with his customers, man, is crazy. But yeah, I guess just kind of observing them and learning from them. And yeah, Sam has that like personality that he's just almost like just a natural in those customer interactions. And he's funny and, you know, relaxed. And, um, but I remember when I, when I first started working with you guys and I'm in the bar, our Sidewinder is a busy place and being able to balance that, you know, the responsibilities of being in this like production zone, pouring drinks for the whole restaurant. And then also like, you know, serving the customers in front of you. I I learned a lot about bartending by watching all of you guys. Yeah. Um, The, what did you like about bartending more than serving? It's probably going to sound a little bit weird, but, the barrier of the bar having that gap between us for some reason yeah but it sounds weird because as a bartender you're also on display for everybody right so i don't i don't know i just felt comfortable back there yeah and i think it's cool too that you like always have this you're always balancing the responsibility of like of making drinks for the restaurant or for you know whereas like waiting tables like you're not you're not really producing anything you know, everything is either coming from the bar or from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, as a bartender, you're you're balancing that, you know, you have this ongoing task of tickets printing and having to pour drinks and stuff while also, you know, balancing that with the customers. Um, what kind of customer or, like, so you started you bartending for the first time at, at the current, you know, original location of Sidewinders in Jackson. What kind of customers were coming in? Say mostly regulars. We had a really good um, regular base at that at that place. Um, obviously, things changed over time as Jackson became more of a tourist destination and mm-hmm. all that. But you know, middle class folks. Were you working like full time mm-hmm. as a bartender? Yep. And. Well, I guess in the beginning at the new Sidewinders, I was still waiting tables and bartending. I was doing both. Were you waiting tables at Sidewinders or still at at Betty Rock? Sidewinders. Okay. Yeah, just Sidewinders. How have you seen, like, the concept change? I mean, you've been around almost since the very beginning of of the brand, Sidewinders. Like, what things stand out to you as how how it's changed over 20-plus years? Uh, I mean, the structure of it, for sure. You know, it, it's definitely much more structured at this point, but not in a bad way. Um, Just in terms of, like, the 
like the the brand itself or mm -hmm. like how we staff the restaurants or what? I mean, I think everything. Okay. You know? How did that impact you? I mean, you were still bartending as your as your primary occupation until you moved to Jackson or until you moved to Bozeman, right? Mm-hmm. So you saw a little bit of that structure get implemented while you were still like behind the bar full time. Yep. How did that impact you as like as a team member, you know, as a bartender? In a pretty, I think, in a more positive way. You know, I, you remember that, you know, back in the day when we were bartending, like we didn't really have like us as bartenders were the managers essentially too. Yep. Like we were doing all the comps, we were handling difficult customers or difficult situations having to come out from behind the bar. Yep. Um, we didn't have expos, you know, so seeing that structure come into place made our jobs a lot easier for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I do remember that was one of the things that stood out to me, especially the bartenders that would work during lunch mm -hmm. at Sidewinders. Like I remember I worked with Nick during the day a lot, Nick and Sammy and Erica. And, I mean, they would take, a section of tables plus the bar and then they're like you know we didn't have like you said we didn't have expos or food runners or whatever and so constantly having to run to the kitchen and you go grab food i mean it was a you know I, not better or worse necessarily but there were things about that that i think helped all of you guys become really good at that job mm -hmm. you know where you really had to had to hustle you didn't have the support that you could lean on yep. that's something that i feel like we Or, you know, trying to figure out that balance of, you know, how much support do you give the team um, to ensure, you know, high quality product and service versus like how much do you kind of need to pull that safety net out from under them, um, you know, to help them get better at their at their job, mm -hmm. you know, more, become more, a more competent bartender, a more competent server. What's okay. your perspective on that? I agree. I think that, you know, you can definitely, it can become too much, I guess. You know, you come too reliant yeah. on that support. Um, I don't think it necessarily makes you lazy, but you just, you always, it's all, you think it's going to be there, mm -hmm. I guess, you know? Do you think it's um, helped us, like, I guess, yeah, if we're, if we're not becoming lazy, like, what else are we allocating that time or those resources to, you know? And I think that in a lot of ways, the, the level, like, the product that we've been able to put out has been improved because we have that, those additional resources and people to lean on. Like, behind the bar, you know, 10 years ago, the cocktails at Sidewinders looked a little different than they do mm -hmm. today, which you've been a, a huge part of that. Um, but I don't know that you would have had the time and capacity to make all those great cocktails right. when you're without that additional support staff. For sure. You know? um, that was definitely, I mean, from my perspective, that's one of the big impacts that you've made on all of our restaurants, but the improvement of kind of the, the mixology, the, the craft cocktails, the spirit selection across the board. When did you get interested in all of that? I was always kind of interested in it. I just never went after it until, I guess, moving here. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's something I always, I always just loved, you know, the cocktail scene, cocktails. Like, 
Um, you know, the classic cocktails are my favorite, but yeah. Would you like make things for people like when you were bartending at Sidewinners, even though we had such I don't want to say basic cocktails, but I would try if I were to taste them today, I'd probably be disappointed (laughs) in myself. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about like honing that skill now? Just trial and error. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I still will play around with some spirits behind the bar here at Tanglewood and, um, think I have a great idea and put it together and taste it and it's not good. It's a creative endeavor, so you're going to have wins and losses. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not everything you put out, you're, I mean, you're, it's kind of an artistic thing, you know. It's like some of it's going to be really great and some of it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, like, it just requires the, you know, having some vulnerability and saying, hey, I'm going to try this, but it might not be very good. Yep. You think some of our, like, bartenders that you have worked alongside have like bought into that or do you see um that creativity kind of flowing through the bartending stuff now some of them yeah for sure do you encourage that mm-hmm. <clears throat> what um like if we have a brand new bartender joining the crew today like what kind of advice would you give them um yeah, I guess I just tell them to, you know, ask questions, ask as many questions as you want. Don't feel um, like you're ever asking a dumb question because you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just tell them, you know, I kind of give them a lot of free reign behind the bar to experiment with cocktails, you know. Um, I think that's the best way to get them to experiment and, like, mm-hmm. kind of find their their styles and their flavors and and expanding on that, you know? Yeah. Bartending is interesting in that way. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like cooking where you kind of have to like develop a palate. You have to work on those like culinary skills or behind the bar, you know, the, the mixology skills, um, in order to really understand how you would change something to make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point in your career, what, what are the things that you like to focus on, you know, in your day to day? I mean, cause you're no longer bartending full time. So your, your role now is in supporting and advising our teams of bartenders and our, and our location bar managers. Um, what's that transition been like for you? It's been good. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's been good. Um, you know, believe it or not, I still miss being behind the bar. But I still get to be back there from time to time, you know, with the support Mm -hmm. side of things. And I try to do that as much as possible. Um, I guess one of my big things with my bartenders is I just really enjoy getting to know them on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what I do when I'm, you know, while I'm supporting them behind the bar during services, I mean, I'm talking to them and getting to know them. What would you do this week? You know, what are you doing? You got any trips planned? You you know yeah where you from like what's your background and just really yeah getting to know them enjoy it yeah like right when i came to get you for recording this podcast you were up behind the bar at tanglewood talking to one of our bartenders there Mm -hmm. and i think you like walked into a conversation she was like asking you about your family or something i think you were telling her you have yeah so what tell us about your family like what do you have 
siblings and what do your parents do and everything? Yeah, so uh, my dad's retired, but he worked for the government for a long time in Salt Lake City. Um, my mom was a teacher for a long time. Um, she also had a part-time job um, with the airlines so we could travel. Cool. Um, but I have three brothers and one sister, and they're all married kids. They're all still in the Salt Lake area, hmm. well, except for one brother. Um, he's actually in Jackson. He's Is that the brother that I met? That probably was. Uh, he did like ge- geographical work and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he did that for a while. Now he's he's a sound engineer, so he does. Um, you're familiar with like the Center for the Arts in Jackson and like the Rendezvous Fest that they just had. Like he yeah. does the sound for all the big shows wow. there and. That's that's a yeah. cool job. Yep. I've we've Marcus has taught me a lot and just learning about like simple sound setup for uh, the podcast and stuff was pretty interesting. I mm-hmm. can't imagine doing it for like a big concert. And then you've got all the different instruments and stuff. But yeah, I met what's his name again? Sean. Sean. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him years ago. We were doing a road trip through southern Utah, and he was like the encyclopedia yeah. of. This, like all the parks and everything and gave us some really cool routes to go so shout out to Sean for helping yep. plan a really cool road trip nice um, so the rest of your family is all still in the Salt Lake area mm-hmm. um, and you get to see them very often or? a couple times a year yeah make a trip down there yeah you said that your mom was had a part time job with the airlines and you guys traveled where would you travel to usually Mexico my mom's from Mexico City, so oh, okay. a lot of family down there, so most of our traveling was down in Mexico, Mexico City, the Yucatan Peninsula, all over, yeah. So do you have, like, a lot of, like, Mexican influence in your family, or just... In a, in I mean, yeah, you know, my, I grew up, like, eating the best Mexican food you know, around and helping my mom and grandma cook as a kid. And, um, they kind of instilled that in me. I love cooking and yeah, grandma's still alive. She is 103. Whoa. She makes it to September. She'll be 104. No way. She's still going strong. That's incredible. Yeah. And so was your mom then like a first generation immigrant or, I mean, nope. Her parents were, but, um, she was, I believe my mom was born in Mexico City. So, so she did, I mean, she, so she immigrated at, mm-hmm. some, at some point to yep. the U.S. That's awesome. Um, so you still have family in Mexico, too? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, so you guys would travel back and forth and go see them and stuff. Yep. I've never been to Mexico. You haven't? No. But I, it's like definitely on the, like on the top of my list to go. My brother goes like every year, and he keeps on telling me I need to go. Yeah, you gotta get down there. Um, what was your like upbringing like in Salt Lake? Um, it was good. Uh, you know, I grew up in kind of a religious, with a religious background. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up Mormon, um, pretty reserved neighborhood, you know, suburb of Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I had a great childhood growing up there. Loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Salt Lake's kind of known for that mm -hmm. type of, you know, culture there and everything. I mean, was that, did that have anything to do with you, like, wanting to get out and go to Jackson? Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of wanted to just see what else was out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's some of that in Jackson, too. I mean, I remember when I moved to Jackson as a kid, it was like the first time I'd ever even heard of the Mormon church and mm -hmm. all of that. But um, some of the nicest people I knew, I, one of my best friends growing up in high school was, um, you know, part of the LDS church and stuff, but I'd never even heard of it growing up in Atlanta until I was like 12 years old hmm. and I moved there. Um, and so, Let's see. You got to to Jackson, and then um, worked as a as a full time bartender at Sidewinders, and you were skiing and mountain biking still, and all of that. Um, do you still get to do any of that now? Yeah, not quite as much. Uh, mostly just from banging up my body over the years, doing those things. But yeah, yeah you had some pretty intense surgeries not that long ago, right? Mm -hmm. Knee surgery. Yep. Uh, total of four. Four knee surgeries? On the same knee. Oh my god. And you can still ski? Yep. That's awesome. Not like I used to, but yeah. Yeah, I remember, man, you guys used to be like really good skiers. I, I went out with you a few times. I was like, I don't know if I can keep up. <laughs> I, I thought so, but you know, it's <laughs> always somebody better than you. Yeah, for sure. Especially being in Jackson, man. Mm -hmm. The ski culture there is wild. Um, there used to, we used to show all the ski movies and stuff at, yep. on the TVs at Sidewinders. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Um, what else do you like to do? I mean, outside of bartending, what are like talking about getting to know the bartenders that you work with, like on a personal level? Like, what are the types of things that you share with them in terms of like so they can get to know you? What are you passionate about outside of? I mean, just those things. You know, I try to ski with them if I can and. Mm -hmm. Um, mountain bike with a few of them. Do you have any hobbies or interests? I know you guys bought a house recently, so mm -hmm. you've been DIYing some stuff at your house. Yep, been doing a lot of that over the last two years. How's that going? Still going. Yeah? Yeah. Any, like, big challenges with the house? Wallpaper. <laughs> yeah. I'll never do that again. <laughs> Didn't you do some construction work or something at one point? Yeah, I've actually off and on when I was in, still living in Salt Lake, I, I roofed houses for a long time. Um, I also, this was like, this would have been my last year of high school and maybe the year or two after that. Um, I also laid tile yep. for a long I time. I remember you telling me that. It was a, an apprentice mm -hmm. for a tile company and yeah, did a bunch of construction. I always helped my dad do stuff growing up too. My dad was pretty hands-on, um, good at building things. And So what type of projects have you taken on at your house? Um, we have remodeled two of the bathrooms. So flooring. The tile work came in handy. Yep. <laughs> Still hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remodeled a bathroom when we lived in Jackson and um, I remember asking you about like for advice on the tile work and stuff, and it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. 
but one was enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to do that mm-hmm. much, much more. Um, and then one, one thing I wanted to ask you about too is, so your girlfriend, Megan, mm-hmm. uh, you guys have been, I mean, she works in the company too, uh, has been a career server as well. What's the, I mean, like, you know, Ellie and I work together and I think a lot of people ask about, you know, what it's like working with your significant other. Do you have any input on that or advice for people that are maybe getting into that same type of situation? I don't know. We, I think her and I have a pretty unique relationship in the sense that we're able to do that. Um, We don't actually work together a whole lot. Mm -hmm. You know, when we do, it's, I mean, I would say don't bring any work home with you. You yeah. know, that's been a big one for us. Yeah. You know, if you're, so you know, sometimes I work a lot and, you know, you just got to leave it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you guys kind of have separate things going a little bit. I mm-hmm. think that's that's been helpful. Like when Ellie and I have talked about it, I talked about it with Joe and Denise, um, you know, on their podcast and just a lot over the years trying to figure out how to balance that um, you know, working full time with each other. And one of the things that, that they've always said that I thought was really good input is just making sure, like everybody kind of has, if, well, not everybody, but, um, you know, just making sure you kind of have your separate roles and, and knowing what you do so that you're not like stepping on each other's toes. Right. Like, it, <laughs> you know, Denise tells the story of like cooking with Joe at Mary Piglet's and then uh, how once, you know, they, they moved on and opened Sidewinders or, Blue Moon Diner and Sidewinders and everything else, like that really helped them, you know, kind of find their own space from each other. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think like Riley and Avery, I mean, there's, there's countless examples of, you know, people that end up, whether you meet in the restaurants uh, or, or not, but end up, you know, working together with the significant others, challenging, but also extremely rewarding. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, other than, you know, mountain biking and, and skiing and stuff um, and reading, which we, we already touched on, like, um, what are, you know, what are the other things in, in your life that you like to share with your team? Um, I don't know. I mean, we love our dogs, you know. They're like children to us. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time with them. What kind of dogs? Uh, two Siberian Huskies. And Bella, your older one, Bella, right? You've had her for a long time. Yeah, I believe she, I didn't get her as a puppy, but I'm pretty sure she's going to be 13 this year. Mm-hmm. So I've had her for quite a while. Yeah, that's pretty good for a big dog like mm-hmm. that. She's still doing good? She's doing great. That's awesome. Yeah, she might make it to 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. She's a sweet dog. Um, how are you guys, I mean, you've been in Bozeman now, what, for like four years? A little over four right? years. You guys like living here? Yeah, we do. Was that a tough move, like coming from Jackson? It was. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, there was, you know, most of the challenges were moving to a place where you don't really know anybody and trying to figure that out and um, kind of navigating a new place, you know. What made you want to leave Jackson? Um, we just needed to... We just needed a change, I think, you know. Um, 
another big factor was we wanted to own a home, and that just wasn't going to happen in Jackson. Yeah, I mean, Ellie and I were that was a big part of our, of our decision leaving Jackson too. Uh, you know, both of us having grown up there, it's still home in a lot of ways. But man, when we were you know getting ready to get married and stuff, looking at the future and saying, you know, where's our most realistic opportunity to have the quality of life that we're looking for and you know build a family and everything it just didn't seem like that was I mean not that it can't be done in Jackson it just wasn't uh wasn't really the road that we were looking to yeah. travel so Bozeman seemed like a really great opportunity um similar lifestyle and stuff but right. just a lot more affordable at the time um so yeah you guys were able to achieve that goal of, mm-hmm. of owning a house and stuff you are you happy that you made that decision yeah yeah we're super stoked on it you know and you still get to go to back to jackson fairly often yep like you were just there not that long ago right Mm -hmm. for the new sidewinders yep what was that experience like it was great um it's really cool seeing um you know every a lot of the people on the west bank were really really stoked to have somewhere you know another option on that side of the valley because you live that's where you lived yep you lived in jackson right yeah, I lived in Wilson for, I think, like, 15 or so of the 18 years I lived there. Wow. Yeah, and there was the stagecoach and mm-hmm. Nora's and not a whole lot else out there, right? Nope. Um, so when you were there, did you actually, you saw people that you knew, oh, yeah. like, living in Wilson? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of old friends that I haven't seen in a couple of years. You know, they have families now, too, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. A lot of familiar faces, for sure. Yeah, when when I was there getting ready for the opening, one of my good friends from high school came out to meet uh, meet me and see the restaurant and stuff. And we went to lunch at Stagecoach mm-hmm. and ran into one of my old football coaches. Um, he walked in and he's like, what are you doing in my bar? <laughs> he's hilarious. Um, but yeah, man, that's one thing I, I do miss a little bit about Jackson is just that small town like super small town, yeah. real small town vibe where you just, you never know who you're going to run into. Seemed like, I mean, Bozeman has a, a little bit of that too, but it just, it's hard to replace with, you know, a small community like Jackson. Right. Um, were, were you guys both on board with, with the move or was there any like dynamic of, Hey, let's go and like, see if we like it and maybe we'll come back or were you pretty committed to staying I really we were both pretty ready for it mm-hmm. you know um, we had actually Megan and I had been talking about making a move um, just on our own you know and it just kind of coincidentally it was when I got a call from Joe and asking to meet with you and him and then was given the opportunity to come up here and so it just seemed like it was meant to be so you were already thinking about leaving jackson yep where where else would you have gone we hadn't really decided yet you know we were kind of in the beginning stages of like figuring that out Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think it's we feel very fortunate that that ended up working out um we've had quite a not a ton but like a few key people end up moving up from jackson they've been a, a huge part of carrying the culture over and, you know, kind of helping bridge the gap between the Jackson and Bozeman markets. Mm -hmm. And when you guys first moved here, we just, it was just Sidewinders, right? Just Sidewinders and Tanglewood was in the works. Yeah. 
and Foxtrot. And so you started off as like a full-time bar manager at Sidewinders, right? Yep. And that was kind of, that was your first like managerial position, right? Yeah, for the most part, I had a tiny bit of experience um, running a landscaping crew, but a really small crew. It was like four or five people, you know, for a couple of summers. But other than that, really no. Did you always work two or like multiple jobs while you lived in Jackson? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember when I first met you, you were doing the landscaping thing like during the day, during the summertime, and then bartending at night. Um, The shift into like bar management versus bartending, what was that like for you? It was interesting. Um, It was... It wasn't easy, you know, um, just trying to find, you know, my own style of management, mm-hmm. but at the same time also just, you know, knowing the bartenders that were here had been here for a while and trying to just, I guess, find some sort of acceptance with them without, you know, stepping on anybody's toes and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had things pretty dialed already, so that was actually nice for me but yeah it was it was a learning yeah I mean I remember working through that together and you know trying to build off of one another and and helping develop that that management or leadership style how would you describe your your management style (laughs) I don't know I guess I I mean I'm myself as much as possible and again like I just really enjoy getting to know everybody that I work with and you know I feel like we have a lot in common when it comes to the bartending world yeah. you know because I've done it I've just done it for a long time and um, I don't know yeah I remember it being a pretty easy introduction from from my perspective of like of you know when we were telling the team here like okay we've got this guy moving up from Jackson that's gonna like take over the bar management role it wasn't really you know we weren't really too concerned about it because you had the you know total credibility with the team and just being able to say hey, he's been a, a long-term bartender at Sidewinners he knows what he's doing he can you know you could jump in there and and help out and you had didn't you come up and help out like even before you moved here a little bit yep I came up for the opening yeah. of the Bozeman Sidewinners right. what do you think you've learned from you know, the, whether it's Sidewinders here and just the volume, how busy that bar is and stuff, or the opening of additional restaurants that you've been able to, like, translate now that you're also plugged into the Jackson restaurants still and helping develop other bar managers and bartenders. Um, the biggest thing I've learned, especially with Sidewinders in particular, is, I mean, now that we have three of them, they all operate completely differently. You know, even though they're the same concept, like those bars are just the layout. Just the, I mean, the layout, yeah, everything, the people, mm-hmm. it's just very, yeah, they're all very different. I didn't really kind of, I didn't really expect that. I expected that maybe we could run them all the same and you can't. What are like operationally, when you talk about running them differently, what are the things that you do differently? Um, you know, staffing for sure is one of them. You know, the Sidewinders here in Bozeman is such high volume mm-hmm. you know it's crazy just like having the, the service bartender yep. which we don't do at the other locations mm-hmm. and stuff 
part of that's just the number of dining room seats we have at this restaurant, right? And it's like you kind of need a dedicated person that's just making drinks for the restaurant. For sure. And the bar is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, 40, close to 40 seats at the bar? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a crazy, crazy concept when we were designing that building. Um, honestly, looking back at some of the decisions that we were making at that time, where it's kind of wild that we actually followed through on like the keg room being upstairs and figuring out that keg lift, the the draft system where all the lines come down through the stove pipe and <laughs> just wild. all like pieced together, but it works. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the experience as a bartender in a, I don't want to say, you know, it's not lower volume. The Sidewinders and Jackson's still very busy, but then coming up here, like what, what was that like for you adapting to the higher volume and adapting to a bigger restaurant and stuff? Uh, I was definitely out of my comfort zone. You know, I knew... I knew that I could handle it, but it was also just not really knowing the bar itself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like you said, the layout of everything is different. Um, it was fun. You know, I really enjoyed, like, learning to work at a, behind a new bar and work with some new people. And what, are the, what are the things operationally that are, like, important to you, whether it's in one of our restaurants or, like, if you go to another bar or another restaurant to look at, um, what do you look for in terms of assessing whether they're like running a, a good operation or not um one of the bigger uh, cleanliness behind the bar organization mm-hmm. behind the bar probably the two biggest things yeah yeah i mean we talk about sometimes you can go in and just smell a dirty bar mm-hmm. right it's not something we never want to nope. never want to see um what are some of the other places around you know bozeman that you've experienced after you know living here for a few years that like where else do you like to go as a as a patron? <laughs> I mean, I've always loved dive bars, so that's kind of you know my thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Pop into the hideaway from time to time. They have a great Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, we're getting ready next week to go tour one of our local breweries in Bozeman. That's probably that's one big difference between Jackson and Bozeman is just the number of breweries that we have here how has working with all of them like expanded your knowledge and experience with beer it's been amazing you know having access to that many breweries and then you know having all of that information like accessible all the time is incredible you know when they uh, they volunteer to come in and do staff trainings mm-hmm. whenever we want to and you know we can take a tour of their breweries whenever we want to and uh, it's super informative and it's just it's a game changer really yeah I mean some of the beers that you guys get into are like I never even knew I never thought that those would be popular yeah but I mean, between you and Riley, you know, Riley took over managing the bar after we opened the restaurants in the market building um, and the beer tastings that you guys would set up and Mm -hmm. the the really obscure beers that you would bring on. I never thought that they would be 
as popular as they are. And now it's kind of like not taken over, but it's a bigger, it's an even bigger part of the draft list today than it was four years ago. Um, like, and even some of the price points that people pay for those beers. I mean, would you say that the customer base at Sidewinders has become more like not beer snob, but like beer centric, I guess. For sure. Yeah. Um, because I mean the the Sidewinders and Jackson forever I think like the like Bud Light was our number one seller or, or Budweiser right mm-hmm. for forever yeah and maybe it still is but that has never been the case here no people are more into the the craft side of things craft, yeah. yeah what are your what's like if you were somebody wants to buy you a beer what kind of beer are they buying you oh man. Or what kind of beer do you want them to buy you, I should say? <laughs> I love Belgian-style beers. They're my favorite. You know, wit beers, hmm. Fetfeitzens, true Belgian or German. Are they accessible? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, are they, are they, are they common with our... Uh, not super common, but yeah, you can get them. Um, what's the, like, difference between a beer like that and, like, a... IPA or something that most people would go for? I don't know. IPAs are a dime a dozen. Yeah. You know, they're everywhere. Um, and there's some great ones out there. I just, I like the complexity of those vice beers mm-hmm. a lot. You know, you get a lot of um, coriander, banana, you know, vanilla notes out of them. And mm. yeah. Just a little more complex. Yep. Um, when you're judging, you know, like we, I mean, we get, approached by breweries all the time like wanting to get their beers on our menu and stuff what do you look for in assessing the quality of the beers or the quality of the brewery in general um i like to ask questions and just try to find out how much knowledge they actually have about their own beer you know do they really know um are they just going for the run of the mill just to get you know a a tap handle or Mm -hmm. do they actually have some good quality beers that deserve yeah Yeah, with like over a dozen breweries just in the Gallatin Valley now um, every time I've sat in on those meetings with you I always like to try to ask that question of like you know if you have a an elevator pitch as as a brewery Mm -hmm. like what do you how do you differentiate yourself from every other brewery in town Um, we've heard some good answers recently like um, when we sat down with those guys from um shred monk mm-hmm. downtown they're like we focus on low abv beers i thought that was cool you yep. know that they i mean like it's kind of like one you know one easy not an easy way but like a yeah just kind of like a lowest common denominator descriptor for for what they do like yep. what do you want to be known for right um well, that's cool i'm excited for that that brewery tour next week so we're going to bridger brewing right yep yeah it's gonna be really cool they have really really cool facility you've been out there right? once yeah. once mm-hmm. yeah it's state of the art so cool it's massive yeah it's huge um yeah I'm, I'm pumped for that just to kind of get to see the behind the scenes and stuff mm-hmm. have you ever gotten into brewing anything you have you ever done any like home brewing or anything like that I did that? some home brewing a long time ago before I moved to Jackson and I thought it was great but it was probably, probably awful terrible. <laughs> um, that was like I mean I guess that was really the 
the start of the whole craft beer movement. Everybody was like was home brewing there for a long time. Mm-hmm. But you never, I don't feel like you hear about it that much anymore. There's still some people here that here in Bozeman that do. Really? Yeah. There's a um, home brew store down in Four Corners that sells all home brew. Really? Yep. Hmm. So Let's go check that out. Definitely still a thing for them to be in business. Yeah. So. Um, well, cool, man. Uh, well, I have something for you. Basically, just you know, because as as a friend, I wanted to get get you a, a gift, but also, you know, part of this, uh, you know, doing the podcast. I know it's not something that you are were like super looking forward to because you're so introverted and and uh, and all of that. So I wanted to say thank you for for doing the podcast, and also because, like you said earlier, I mean, you've been with the company for over 20 years, and that's. Um, that's an amazing accomplishment and something that you're super thankful for and um, and would you know love to encourage and I appreciate that you're setting that example for everybody so um, so anyways yeah, I have this gift for you if you want to open it that'd be awesome <laughs> it's nothing like that crazy I and mean, I don't want to say uh, you know the fact that you've been around for, for 20 plus years this is what you get for it but <laughs> I thought it would be something that you might like. So, uh, nice. so Art's a big sneakerhead, yep. and like probably has more yeah. bands than I've ever seen. Like every <laughs> every other week, he's coming in with a new pair of Vans. So those are cool. We got him a uh, a cool pair of of Vans skate highs. So hell yeah, dude! Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> those are sweet. Well, I appreciate you doing this, man. Anything else you wanted to to close with or say to your team or anything like that? Nah, just keep up the good work. Yeah. You know, excited for the future, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, It'll be be fun to to build the next bar with you and continue to to grow the team. So thanks for all you do. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Service First podcast. Join us on our mission to spread the word and inspire others to lead with a service first mindset by sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Service First podcast on your favorite platform. We can't wait to connect with you and continue this important conversation about service, community, and leadership.